This is Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Good to be with you on another edition of the world's leading transit executive podcast, Transit Unplugged. And today I'm excited to bring you kind of a new format we haven't tried before. I don't know about you, but I have been listening to a lot of fun podcasts over the summer of, you know, TV shows with actors that were on different shows that I used to like. And they're all talking about what it was like to work together and stories from then. And I thought, you know what? We could do the same thing for the transit industry. So many of us have worked with great people, like the three folks that are on the line with me today, and we all have fun, great stories to tell. Uh, And so that's what today is. Today is a reunion show with some of my friends and coworkers that used to work with me at a company called Yellow Transportation. We were in the Baltimore, Maryland area where I grew up, and we all worked on this uh, service there in in Yellow. And Yellow was a big transportation company, and uh, it was headed up by a friend of mine named Mark Joseph, who has been on the podcast, a great guy who ended up becoming head of um, TransDev. Uh, Veolia, actually, I think it was at the time, for 10 years here in North America. Great guy, still involved in the industry. I still talk to him off and on, but he kind of brought us, brought me into the company. And then uh, Peggy was there before, when I got there. Uh, and then Jeff and John came in after. And we all worked together on providing public transportation services, contract services. And we had such a ball. I think I was there for five years. Uh, and so I thought, what a great way to start off a reunion show format with some of my friends. So uh, Jeff Barnett, thank Thanks for being with us today on the show. Great to be here. Yep. And Peggy Mayer, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. And John Duncan, my good friend who I work with on a number of jobs. John, thanks for being with us on the show today. No, thanks for having me, Paul. So let's talk a little bit about Yellow itself. Peggy, you were there before I was there. So tell us whatever you want to tell us about what Yellow Transportation was. Yellow Transportation was started in 1907 as a taxi cab company. It was a family-owned company that was inherited. And uh, the new owner sent his son there for one summer during college. And it turns out he just wanted him to watch the place until he figured out what he was going to do. But his son fell in love with the transportation business and said, hey, dad, let me try my hand at this. And he was able to grow this small taxi company into the first company that used radio dispatch, the first company that hired women, and then into an international um, transportation venture with a headquarters in Paris. So it was it was quite a big accomplishment. And some of us on this call were part of that transition and that growth. And we certainly had an exciting, fun time making it happen. You're right. That's great. That's a great summary. Thank you. Yeah. And Mark brought me in. Um, he he recruited me to his company. You know how he did it? I, I think you guys know the story, but he he uh, I was working for someone else at the time. And he said, Paul, I'd like you to come work for me and become my vice president of national contracts uh, and help me take yellow national win contracts around the country. So he kept working me. And finally, you know, he asked me, put down on a sheet of paper everything you want that you'd want in a job because I'd kind of been putting them off. I was like, really? Are you serious? He's like, yeah, I'm serious. Write down everything you want in a job. So Peggy, I wrote down 10 things that I wanted. I wanted to be called a vice president. I wanted a company car. I wanted this salary. I wanted this. I wanted that. And uh, he met with me. He said, all right, I'll give you everything you asked for. So I said, if you're not going to take it when somebody offers it to you, you know, you're crazy. Uh, So I did. And I ended up having a ball there. I mean, you know, life has ups and downs. Jobs have up and downs. But overall, it was a wonderful experience. Uh, John, tell us your story about how you got into the uh, into the operation. Yeah, I, I just reflect on that time very fondly, and, and especially people on this call. 
but I was, I was just a kid. I was, um, I had gotten out of the military and, and, uh, I'd worked a few years in Texas at a cab company and, and worked my way up to the ranks there a couple of years. And, you know, growing up in the Baltimore region, yellow cab was the cab company. I mean, they were everywhere. It was ubiquitous. And so I said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to work for, for yellow when I won't get back to Maryland. My wife um, was stationed in Texas at the time. Unfortunately, the events of 9-11 had, had stymied the entire transportation industry, including the taxi industry, which had taken a pretty good slowdown in that time. So yellow transportation wasn't hiring. And uh, so I was quite disappointed. And I went through the Penny Saver, which is a local publication that classifieds and jobs. And I, I responded to a blind transportation manager ad in the Penny Saver. And uh, that was the ad that Paul had put in the Penny Saver and went in and interviewed for the uh, general manager for a national limousine franchise at um, Yellow Transportation had owned. Um, and so I, I kind of cut my teeth on the retail transportation side in taxi and then moved into limousine division there. And, and then we wound up taking over, contributing to a few other divisions. And uh, yeah, that's the story. That's how I met, met everyone here. When we get down the road in our discussion, I'd like to uh, impart my, my experience and, and time with Jeff and Peggy as well. That's great, John. Thanks. Yeah. So um, kind of how the story went for me then was for a couple of years, I did sales and we won a bunch of contracts. We won them out of state, some in the southern part of our state we were in. And finally, um, Mark brought in a friend of his named Ron and Ron was my boss. Ron's a great guy. And um, he said, he called me one day and said, Paul, we're, we, we, we need to stop what we're doing, you know, extending into other states, stop for a minute. We need to consolidate our operations. We'd like you to become general manager of our transit and executive services division out of Savage, Maryland. What a great name. <laughs> I love working in Savage, man. And uh, and so after a couple of years, that's what I did. So I went down to Savage and drove an hour every day to get there to oversee this operation, which started out with a few contracts. I think it had six when we started. And when we finished, we had 10. We had one several contracts, but a big part of our operations was some fixed route and paratransit services in central Maryland. We had contracts through something called the Baltimore Washington Chamber of Commerce, which was the only chamber of commerce in America at the time that was operating public transit. And they contracted with us. And uh, that's where Jeff Barnett comes in because right. Jeff was helping to oversee all that uh, for us then. So Jeff, tell us your story. Well, I, I wound up joining the team there. I, I think I called you, Paul, because we'd known each other for years prior, prior to that. I called you for a reference on an, an employee or something like that. And you and I just were chatting up a little bit. I was working, I've been uh, uh, with a family-owned uh, charter bus company in uh, Central Maryland, uh, not a family member. I must have said something that would indicate I'd be willing to leave. I'd been there for quite some time. In fact, people used to tease me when I go to meetings and things that they'd called me. But my last name, the name of the family and buck company. I guess everybody thought I was so ingrained that I wouldn't ever leave. And you said, you would really leave there? I said, well, yeah, it's the right circumstances. And so you, at the time, had a, had a, a need for an assistant general manager. And uh, so it didn't take long. Like in, in about a month's time, I was I was working for you. And uh, overseeing those, what, 10 contracts, or not all 10 of them, but probably eight of them. Yeah, a big chunk of them, yeah. Central Maryland, all the way down through Washington, D.C. and into Northern Virginia. And um, that's how I got started there. So yeah. it was pretty, pretty exciting times. 
So the way it worked uh, at this at this operation, so uh, folks know that I'm executive director of a group called the North American Transit Alliance, which is the five largest contractors for public transportation in the country. Uh, Transdev, which, as I mentioned, Mark Joseph used to be the head of, um, was CEO for, I think, a decade. Uh, and that now it's Laura, uh, who is uh, CEO there, Laura Hendricks. And then there's RATP Dev, National Express, MV Transportation, headquartered in Dallas, and um, Keolis. Uh, so, but there were also these other companies which got bought up by a lot of these companies, and that's what happened with Yellow. Eventually, Yellow got bought up by uh, what became Veolia, and then now is Transdev. At the time, it was Connex. But prior to that, when we were all together, so we were we had pulled together all these contracts. Uh, Mark or Peggy or someone had won them before I got there. These were these operating contracts for county public transportation. And we had some commuter service contracts, and we won additional contracts for commuter buses that we ran our motor coaches with in Northern Virginia. We started a brand new service called the Georgetown Shuttle. Uh, there are stories about some of this in my first book, Full Throttle, where I talk about some of the things that we did in those early days, some great stories. Um, and then we had the motor coach division, and as John mentioned, the limousine division that Mark had run. So we weren't, the three of us were not involved in the taxi cab. Taxi cabs are run separately out of Baltimore. Uh, and that's where you were at, Peggy, right? So tell us what you did for the company. First of all, if I may, Paul, I started in 1992 um, for the company, was also hired by uh, the president and CEO, and um, stayed for 28 years. And you don't stay years. somewhere for 28 years. And I left, uh, I retired uh, when COVID was uh, entering the United States. You don't stay 28 years unless you really feel like you're part of the family. And that's what I feel like. Even now, when we're all three in our own different worlds, every time I see one of you guys or somebody else, I feel like I'm talking to someone who I just saw yesterday. So I think one of the big things about the company was that the CEO and president brought that company attitude toward all of the employees and knew everyone's name and something about their family. And it made us all feel good about what we did. Now, we didn't always agree on everything, but when it was time to put a project on the ground, we all were there and we all supported each other. And I found that to be another really good thing about the company. What I did was in the beginning operations until real operations people came along. And at one point, um, I did a lot of the special events and each and every one of you and, and many other people helped to work on those special events. And I can remember, John can vouch for this, that we were doing a big special event in D.C. for a very high profile client. And um, they wanted ambassadors on every single motor coach. And uh, John, I can't remember how many, but I would say it was 40 to 50 motor coaches. And we hired some people we begged others within the organization, <laughs> like the head of HR, will you please come and be an ambassador? And that person said, yes, family members of other people who, who were in the law profession and really in high level jobs came and helped us. And that was just the spirit and the esprit de corps that we all felt for each other. It emulated into how we provided service to our customers, whether it was the transit service that you know, the drivers every day are driving the same route. They were customer service oriented and they became a large part of the lives of the people that we transported, as well as 
our third party customers. So for me, that was the most wonderful experience that I had being entrepreneurial about how we did things and delivering a world-class service, even though it may have been in a small environment. Yeah. I, uh, we ended up uh, at our at our exec, uh, transit and executive services in Savage, as I mentioned, having around 10 different contracts. And of course, we had lots of other contracts that we did uh, with our motor coach and limousine service that John ran. Um, but uh, we had around 200 employees, I remember. And then we ended up getting a couple other divisions that we operated out of out-of-state locations. Um, so, John, tell us some about, you know, some of your experiences that you remember uh, maybe humorous or, uh, or scary. <laughs> well, um, you know, I, I tell you what, let me start off with, uh, some of the impression that was made, made upon me when I was just a, a young, young boy and trying to be a manager in Maryland, you know, I, Jeff was there, was hired, I think he'd been there a little while. And, uh, there was some challenges that I had had understanding P and L's profit loss statements, understanding how to, you know, read financials and, um, I walked in his office one day and for those of us that know Jeff, he's, he's a, a very analytical side of some of the people that I, that I know. Um, and he showed me the hard way, you know, Here, here's the Excel spreadsheets. Here's where to drill in. Here's where to dig up where those expenses come from. And then you're know, not, not as, as humorous, um, maybe a story, but, um, uh, you know, a lot of my learning through, through my career, was grounded at, at yellow transportation management structures and how to interact with C-level people and, and how to engage with uh, senior leadership, which is something that I had not experienced before. Anecdotally, I, I recall a time, Paul, with, with you and I, where I, you know, I was full of excitement and ready to go. And I had ideas and passions. And I spent a, a good part of two weeks putting together a presentation, I guess we'll call it, about uh, 10 pages of how I thought I could improve uh, the division that, that I was managing or one of the divisions I was managing. And I believe I talked to Peggy about trying to get uh, the CEO to, to listen to me. And Peggy, of course, being friends and a longtime uh, coworker with the CEO, just, you know, just ask him, no problem. Well, that was terrifying to me to, you know, a low-level manager. The, my optics were I was a low-level manager and this was an g- enormous company. And the CEO didn't want any of my time. And I think, Paul, I wound up talking to you and um, uh, coordinating a meeting with, with the CEO. And uh, we, we landed in a restaurant somewhere around Savage. And I, I pulled out nervously my presentation. And I, I went through it methodically stuttering and stumbling through my words. And, you know, it was one of the things I always remember about Marcus. So this is a fantastic idea. Paul, where have you been hiding this guy? I mean, it just... It really made transit and the executive relationship and management improvement all that much better. And it was based in the analytics that Jeff had, I didn't know at the time, but had, had shown me and direct me at the time. It had to do with the relationship building you know, potential and communication understanding that partially I learned from Peggy. And then from you, I think it was just six or eight months later, and we were um, you know, recognized throughout the company. At the time, it was Yellow Transportation. Um, as as being a uh, you know a shining shining light in the organization, maybe not as funny a story, but uh, yeah. one that I tackle and find. Yeah, absolutely. I think we all learned, Jeff, didn't we? I mean, we. Um, I don't want to say we cut our teeth at this company. That's not the right analogy, but we all learned a lot. I know that I learned 
there was another guy named Jeff who was my boss who I had to do those PL statements for every month. And I had he would send me these really hard questions. And but when I left, I sent him an email and said, I went into county management from there. Uh, but I sent him an email, I said, Jeff, I want to thank you so much for making me, you know, put my nose into those Excel spreadsheets and figure out, you know, what was causing these expenses and uh, et cetera, and really breaking apart an organization financially and understanding it and making sure I understood the building blocks. It really was the uh, the foundation for any success I had later in life, you know, as CEO of the MTA and other places was really understanding. Uh, and I learned it there. How about you, Jeff? Yeah, well, well thanks for the comments, John, because I didn't realize I had such a, a impact on your career. I, I feel good about that. Thank you. I remember the P&Ls when they, when they didn't go well, uh, Jeff, that Paul's talking about, you know, had to have nasty notes on the, the payroll sheets. I remember our union contract had uh, the, uh, the drivers got double time and they drove on the seventh day. And uh, so I'd be driving to uh, somewhere to go shopping or something. I'd see the same driver. He was the go-to guy. And I knew he was driving the seventh day. I'm going, oh, no, I, I know the nasty grandma's is going to come next week from that, that other Jeff. But, you know, I'm thinking about um, what Peggy said about the VIP moves. We had a lot of VIP customers and yes. um, big dollar people from the you know, Potomac area and, and, uh, and outside the Beltway. And those are always the, the trips that the air conditioner would break down or you'd get a flat tire. And it's just, it was almost like it was, uh, it was booby trapped, you know, it's like doomed, dark, oh, another VIP move where something as grand is going to happen. Speaking of that, I think we all talked about this earlier today by email. Uh, you know, we had a, a very big VIP move with multiple buses and it was such a high priority move that the, uh, there was actually news helicopters following the convoy of buses going. And somebody that was part of the group in a private car cut off one of our buses, and the buses were being escorted by police cars. So as the bus swerved to avoid the person in the, in the big SUV, they pinned a police car up against the Jersey wall, and sparks were flying off of it, and the mirrors getting torn off, and it just it made the national news. I'll never forget that. Yeah. And fortunately, nobody was hurt. Oh, you know, no amount of preparation prevents that, too, because I, I remember that. If I'm yeah. not mistaken, we had dozens of people, like, eyes on the project, double-checking every step of the way. No matter what you do, how prepared you go, these wild things can happen from time to time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was certainly yeah. when I started working for you, too, Paul. It was uh, just like, oh, no, I can't believe this just happened. Yeah. And someone higher than me in the company had said to me, Paul, this is such a high-profile pri- high move. You know, we should figure out how to way how to get some press out of it. Yeah, well, yeah. We certainly got press because CNN and ESPN ran from their helicopters pictures of our motor coaches with the name of our company on top of them at the bottom of every hour that whole day. So over and over. I yeah. said to that person, uh, I know it's not the kind of press you wanted, but we, we did get press. We got them on time to where they needed to be. That's right. We did. Got them on time, got them safely there. Uh, but it just goes to show what John said. And it's the same thing, I think, anywhere today in public transportation, right, Peggy, that as much as you plan, there's always like a uh, a free radical situation that can occur. Yes. And that um, customer remained our customer until uh, we were no longer in that business. And they went to another provider. So, mm-hmm. you know, they stayed our customer beyond that. But I have a very funny story about when we were having, I don't want to call it growing pains, but when we were learning to grow from a a small company into a larger company, we did a lot of sports events and we were doing a particularly large and high profile golf tournament out of state. 
And when we went to meet with the um, golf entity, they um, asked us if we had a mobile command unit. And it was myself and the CEO. And he looked at me and I looked at him. And then I looked at the customer and I said, yes, we do. And the customer said, great. And we walked out the door. And as soon as we got out the door, the CEO looked at me and said, do we have a mobile command unit? And I said, no, but we will. If we win the contract, we will have one. So we won the contract. We did, a, I think, a, a very good job with the uh, tournament. And we were invited to go back and um, have a conference about something else with a totally different uh, sports agency. And we were in the meeting and we're talking about all the things we can do. And the CEO was with me and he looked at them and said, and by the way, we have a mobile command unit. <laughs> That's one of the funniest stories that I remember. Yeah. And it was it was the way it was the as I talked before about the spirit and the esprit de corps and making things work for our customers. I think that for me was one of the best parts of the job other than the people I worked with. I want to tell a quick story. Um, you know, I learned a lot. Um, we all, you know, I think part of uh, wisdom, right, is learning from mistakes uh, that you've made. Uh, and so I've tried, I've, I've become wise through a lot of mistakes I've made. I learned from Ron was we were talking about, um, you know, I was still young. Uh, you know, we were all young back then in the days. And I remember him telling me, because Ron was a seasoned executive. And he said to me, and it's a lesson I've always remembered. Paul, do you know what executives are paid for? And, you know, you could, I could have said a hundred things and, and I knew I wouldn't hit the needle in the, in the haystacks. I said, no, Ron, what are executives paid for? He said, they're paid for their judgment. And I wrote a chapter in my book called that. So basically when you're an executive, all the easy decisions have been made before they get to you. If you're in the C-suite of a transit agency or a company, you know, the, the supervisors and the mid-level managers have made all the easiest, ob, easy, obvious decisions that need to be made. It's the ones that there's no template for, the ones that there's no prearranged agreements for that require judgment. That's the ones that end up on your desk. And that's one of the great lessons I took out of that was that, you know, if you want to, if you aspire to executive leadership, you just have to know that a lot of your uh, life and a lot of your, what you're going to be doing day to day is making decisions. There's no definite right or wrong answer to, or somebody else would have already figured it out. You've got to apply your judgment to it and make a judgment decision and be willing to put your name behind it and sign off on the dotted line and put your career on the line over and over and over again. Every time you sign that document or say, yes, do that. You've got three minutes to make a decision. You have the information you have. You don't have, you don't have perfect information. John, you still have to make those decisions, right? Still have to make them. As a matter of fact, as you mentioned that, I think about, you know, Peggy had brought up a few special events that um, she had sold, landed, booked, and managed. And as you were saying that, I'm thinking, man, there were dozens, if not hundreds of special events that high profile, low profile, everything that so many decisions were made that the day of service, the day of the event. And they were also very critical. So it, it, it very much comports with my experience, at least early in my career, that you know, that's, that's what an executive is. And that's, that's the challenging part of the job. And a lot of times, that's the part of the job that only comes with experience. And it's like, you know, it's the whole credit conundrum. You can't get credit without credit. Yep. Tell us what you're doing now, John, in your career. Sure. So I'm the executive vice president of business development and client services for a an adaptive TNC for user. Um, we are 
uh, you know, comparable in some ways to Uber and Lyft, we're TNC, a transportation network company that is solely dedicated to paratransit services and adaptive mobility services for transit agencies and partners, many of, of which you know and, and interact with. Jeff, what else you got to say? And then tell us what you're doing now. It's, it kind of made me think about these decisions that we have to make, and they're not always the right one. And uh, our public transit operations are all over the place, very visible in the community. Uh, I've always tried to uh, attach myself very quickly to the local chamber of commerce. So we get uh, the word out there. And we did that shortly after I joined uh, working for you, Paul. I got attached with the uh, local chamber of commerce uh, to, to put out when they, when they think transportation, they're only think, thinking roads. We want them to be thinking about the local public transit system, which we were contracted to operate. And uh, we kind of have a selfish reason for doing that. So that, that's if you, if you make the wrong decision or something really stupid happens, they go, well, that Jeff Lauren, he didn't seem like he's that stupid. It must have been an anomaly. You know? So you, you protect yourself. And I'm doing that here where I, I work now uh, in uh, the Charles County government in Southern Maryland, I'm, uh, the chief of public transportation. I have it good here because we contract the service out, just like what I was doing when, when, uh, when I worked for you, Paul. We were the operators, the contractors. So I don't have to worry about flat tires and, and uh, drivers coming in late. And I'm responsible for correcting all that, making those frontline decisions. You know, I quickly attached myself to the Chamber of Commerce here, and I'm sort of on the Transportation Economic Development Committee. Some of the same reasons, but also to let these people, business owners and business operators, be thinking about how important the local public transit system is in our, our community. So it's uh, coming up in 15 years here. And um, fulfilling career. How about you, Peggy? As I said, I I retired in in 2020 during COVID, and um, for a while I was like everybody else, not doing very much. But I was fortunate to be asked to work for a small meeting planning company, and in fact, um, working for that meeting planning company, I saw you, Paul, at a transportation event and I saw John at a transportation event and I'm currently working with Jeff on um, a transportation event this fall. It's just been wonderful. We do other uh, conferences too, but for me, my heart will always be filled with diesel fuel, pumping (laughs) diesel fuel through my veins. And um, so it's so fun to see people. And like I said, it's like I just saw them yesterday. So that's what I'm doing, filling my time with part-time fun. What were you going to say, John? You know, what I, I was going to say, you know, as Peggy was talking, she had made a comment um, somewhere along the lines of, you know, not doing much. And it made me immediately think of the impact of you know, all the people I've worked with coming up in the industry, in 25 years now or something like that, uh, industry. And I remember I was an operations guy when I when I came to to Yellow Transportation and to you, Paul, with a very little amount of operations experience. I've had I, I think a, a fulfilling career and largely in business development after operations years. And even though you may have for an interlude not not done much, the seeds of what you've sown uh, all over, Peggy, are, are bearing fruit. I, I've had a I, uh, like I said, a fulfilling year, 25 years, mostly in business development. I was introduced to business development by you. I didn't know what a proposal was or an RFP or the timeline process in the interview. And I remember very distinctly, unfortunately, I don't remember the client. It, was. it could have very well been Charles County. I remember some need to deliver a, a bid, a proposal. You know, nowadays, a lot of them are electronic. Um, and sometimes you got to deliver a hard copy. But back then it was always hard copy and occasionally a CD with it, I think. Um, and that was my introduction to business development, that and a few more steps. And I don't know if you recall, but my 
last six months or a year at, at Yellow Transportation before I moved on, um, spent a, a good deal of time understanding and learning about business development, contracting, the business as a whole, transit, not just the retail aspect of it that was in. So yeah, I just, just wanted to mention that. And I appreciate all the time that you spent with I, I, some dumb kid playing with limousines in the corner of a trailer in Savage, which by the way, I was the one with the trailer in Savage. We had a that's facility, right, trailer. nice facility with a, you know, a garage door or two and offices. And uh, we were in a, uh, a modest abode in the, in the limousine. Uh, I was in that trailer for a while, John. So um, right. I appreciate you saying that. And I want to just say one other thing. Um, you all have been a pleasure uh, to work with and to work alongside. And um, John, your um, skill for special events, you really came to the forefront when we were with that high profile client in DC. You did a remarkable job. And I'm, I'm certain that that wasn't tutelage. That was that was just a skill set that you naturally have. And Jeff, you with the transit side, uh, likewise, it's a skill set that you can deal. Pardon me for saying this. You can deal with the bureaucrats and you know how to to handle them and make everything work. And Paul, I think your charisma and your uh, knowledge industry was something that trans. Transdev, see, I'm going to call it that, um, <laughs> that Yellow needed at the time that you came on the scene. And you also did a remarkable job. So thank all three of you. You have made life memories for me that that I cherish. Well, it's reminiscing about this, you know, uh, what tough skins we grew there. I mean, it was a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff. And then you know, multiple contracts. And it's hard to have 10 contracts in any given day. You have all of them go smoothly. There's always some kind of hiccup that you had to deal with. That's a lot of moving parts. Now, looking looking back on it, we developed a lot of skills. Along those lines, you mentioned, Peggy, uh, that's really good analysis of their skill sets. Uh, when I was county administrator in Charles County and brought Jeff in as head of transportation, uh, I said to him, Jeff, you'd be perfect in government. Your analytical skills and your ability to deal with bureaucrats, you need to be in government, man, out of the private sector. And so, and then John's ability to solve operational problems uh, that you mentioned, that's why I hired him as chief operating officer at the MTA when I was CEO. And John did an amazing job helped us solve so many problems. I remember, John, one room, a big conference room that you had uh, around the wall, this humongous conference room. You put these big pieces of paper, which you were, what were you doing? What were you figuring out? How to <laughs> fix recall. our OTP, I think it was. How to improve uh, on-time that's performance. What it, was. it was perceived, o- uh, yes, perceived OTP against actual OTP yeah. and where where we were failing where the systems were failing that were put in place to monitor OTP. Yeah, I recall that. Yeah, yeah. So I want to close out with just um, a brief story and to thank you all. But it uh, the story is the the role of transportation in a national crisis. Uh, and John, you alluded to 9-11 earlier, but uh, I believe, Peggy, you were there with us. You know, we were, everybody always, a long time ago, people used to always say, where were you on 9-11? Well, where I was, was in the conference room in Baltimore at Yellow Transportation for our senior managers meeting that morning. And uh, Peggy, I think it was you or Deidre who wheeled in a television and said, you all yeah. need to see what's going on right now. And and the yes. first plane had just hit the, uh, so there was maybe 15 of us in the room. A first plane had just hit the first tower and, uh, and you know, we were all 
all stunned. And so we start looking and then um, I don't remember the exact order of things, but eventually, you know, the Pentagon situation happened uh, where there was an explosion at the Pentagon. And of course we were operating services down there. And so suddenly I'm on the phone with Barnett and every, and everybody else down there. And, um, and uh, you know, everybody kind of went to the four corners of the room because all of our operations were impacted by that. We were getting people out of DC, but they had shut down the roads. I remember being on the radio with drivers telling me, Paul, there's there's like um, ashes falling on my bus from the Pentagon right now. I'll never forget that. Right now, there's ashes from the Pentagon falling in my bus. And we basically helped evacuate the city of Washington, D.C. that day. Uh, we stayed there for hours and hours, well into the night. Do you remember that, Jeff? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I had my briefcase packed up. I was headed down to Georgetown. So we just started a major contract up down there. And you said, well, uh, from what I'm hearing, you probably better delay that a little while. So I didn't know what had driven right past the Pentagon. But it just goes to show the importance of public transportation in a crisis. Uh, you've got cities that are being hit with hurricanes, uh, and the buses are the ones that get people out, that rescue them. Uh, you know, terrorist attack, natural disaster, public transportation is at the center of their response. John, you know that, right? Yeah, we, um, you know, another yellow transportation story. I don't know if you all remember, but the storm that affected um, New Orleans so bad, we had drivers coming in, uh, which was fascinating and, and eye-opening for me. Drivers coming in and said, how can I, how can we help? How can I help? And I remember there was a big call from us. You call them getting everybody out of New Orleans when the levee, I think it was the levees, when the levees had, had went during a storm. And uh uh, Mark and, and Yellow Transportation really stood up and said, we, you know, we don't care if we get paid or not. We'd like to, but we're going to send our entire fleet down there to make sure that we evacuate as many people as possible. And just the sense of community, a national sense of community you got out of that all kind of centered around transit for me was very impactful. Peggy, why don't you close us out? Some final thoughts. I just want to reiterate that um, when I was hired by the CEO, I was out of a job. I was on unemployment. The company that I had worked for went out of business and I thought nothing good could happen. However, I received um, phone calls from Beth Casper, who was the person at that time. And I never answered them. I was sort of depressed. And then I received a uh, phone call from the CEO. And I thought, well, I better answer this because I met him before and he seems pretty interesting and power powerful to me. So I answered and it was that ever happened to me because a lot at yellow as well from each and every one of you and from all the people and the customers that we served. I think that um, I know transit is important and transit is the end game, but there was a lot more going on within the organization that moved each one of us forward and that helped us to do our jobs or unjobs. I think that's uh, that's a lot to be said for a, a small company when we all started out that became an, an, part of an international organization that you mentioned today, Paul, and I understand that they've just purchased another transportation company. So they're even larger yeah, now. Larger in the world and, now. And each one of us had a small role or a big role in in that and, and in helping people, as you said, Paul, because transit is is not just moving people from one place to another, but it's being there and being on the ready at all times. But Paul, I want to thank you for inviting us and getting us all together. It was a great experience to see everybody. 
Yeah, and and the story goes on, right? We continue to move in all of our different positions, taking what we learned from our time together, those five years when I was there with you, and you guys actually stayed longer than I did. And Peggy, of course, was there almost 30 years. But we continue to take the lessons we learned from working together, how we all interacted, kind of like, um, you know, they say in battle, you're foxhole buddies. And, uh, you know, Jeff, you've been to my house for my 50th birthday party, and we, we all became real friends uh, out of that. And I think that's one of the lessons I take out of it too, is that our work partnerships can become real friendships that last a lifetime. And, uh, you know, I've got a chapter in my book called I Met a Guy. And it's about how every good job I got in my life, including the woman Mark gave me this job was because I met a guy. I met a guy somewhere. We got into a good conversation. And the next thing you know, uh, they were like, hey, you know, I could use you here or maybe you should try that. And so it's the relationships that we take out of these work experiences where we're bonded together, kind of on the battlefield together. And uh, we serve uh, the people that we serve at the time. And then we take those on. And I think um, to me, relationship, I'm a people person. So relationships are what matters the most. Uh, in the end. And I think that that is, um, I continue to do that today. That's why I brought you all here today. The relationships I made with you uh, still mean a lot to me. And I appreciate your friendship and appreciate your willingness to share some stories about our time together. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, Paul. Hi, this is Mike Bismeyer, Transit and Kindness Advocate. And this is Mike's Minute, where we talk about leadership, mentorship, and kindness with the hopes it'll inspire you to pay it forward. Yellow Transportation. It is evident from Paul's excited recap and reunion show, the effect that was left on him by working with many of these folks and the power that mentorship and collaboration had on the early working days in transit. Mentorship comes in many forms, and many times the best mentors don't often know they are mentors. We simply gravitate toward them, understand and appreciate their knowledge, the ability to problem solve, share and inspire ideas, as well as remain calm while articulating their message. Great leaders are everywhere and take many shapes. Our everyday life and work life are an eclectic mix of leaders and mentors that shape who we are. Paul's recollection of joining the team, creating a wish list of what the job would look like, and the jumping in was refreshing. You could hear the excitement throughout the show as everyone shared their stories, reiterating the power of people that have had an impact on us in our careers, helped build our personal toolkits, and at many times do not even know they have inspired us. It reminds me to take a quick pause and think of the many great folks that have impacted my life and my career path. I speak regularly about mentorship, but would never be able to name all those that have had an impact. However, I myself am part of the CUTA Mentorship Program in an effort to try and give back and hopefully impact someone else. I will end by this. My first years in public transit were much like Paul's, memorable. I was new to the industry in 2008 and had had several folks at my first company that took the time to mentor me, share and answer every question I had, and I keep in touch with many of those folks today. One mentor in particular has become a lifelong friend. My kindness challenge for you this week is take a few moments to look back and send a note off to someone who impacted your career early on. Thank them for their leadership and mentorship and making a difference. They probably don't have any idea of the impact they had on your development, but I can guarantee they will be grateful to hear. Kindness is cool. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged and our special Yellow Transportation Reunion Show with our special guests, John Duncan, Jeff Barnett, and Peggy Mayer. Now, coming up next week on the show, we continue the Yellow Transportation Reunion with Mark Joseph. Mark and Paul talk about the beginnings of Yellow Transportation and how it became part of what is now TransDev, the world's largest contract transportation provider. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the show, 
email us at info at transitunplugged.com. And while you're listening, please take a moment to leave a rating and review of the show wherever you listen to podcasts. These ratings and reviews help other people find Transit Unplugged and become part of our transit community. Transit Unplugged is brought to you by Medaxo. At Medaxo, we are passionate about moving the world's people. And at Transit Unplugged, we're passionate about telling those stories. So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.